0: Lawyers are not just providers of legal services, they are also business owners and employers. In this program,
1: Alyssa Baxter, General Counsel at LawCover, and Felicity Edwards, a partner in spark Hillmore's Employment Law Group, discuss the employment law issues which law practices are navigating while working remotely. Thanks for joining me today, Felicity. Thanks, Alyssa. Great to be here. For listeners, it might not be obvious, or it might be, that Felicity and I are recording this separately. We're not in the same room. We're each um, not working in our offices at the moment. And strangely, we've sort of adapted to this new normal of remote working, as I think a lot of businesses have, including law practices. But that can create a number of risks, um, in relation to the provision of legal services. And those issues were explored by my colleagues, Jen McMillan and Malcolm Heath from Law Cover, in our last podcast. So those were the professional indemnity issues. Um, but remote working can also lead to risks in relation to a lawyer's duty as an employer. And Felicity and I want to talk today about some of those risk issues, about um, risk issues around employees working remotely. So to start us off, Felicity, um, do law practices have to offer the option of working from home during COVID-19? Look, strictly speaking, law firms don't have to offer that option of working from home.
0: However, I think it's fair to say that most employers are currently offering that option and most employees, if not all employees, are actually working from home. What firms are obligated to do is to ensure that they're providing their employees with a work environment without risk to health and safety so far as reasonably practicable. Now, it doesn't matter whether that work environment is at home or in the office, but what is reasonably practicable will change in each individual scenario. So I suppose um, what's important to bear in mind is that at a minimum, from a WHS perspective, employers should firstly give some guidance to their employees on good ergonomic practices and a safe working environment for employees working at home. They should clearly communicate the expectations for workers while at home. Um, maintain daily communication with workers I cannot emphasize that enough Um, communication is key particularly at this time and there should also be um, uh, employers should be considering alternative arrangements for supervision and oversight um, that works when you do have employees working from home because obviously when employees are working from home things are a little bit different and different considerations will apply. So
1: is it okay to for some employees to be working from offices at the moment?
0: Yeah, I think it is okay and that's certainly um you know just from you know anecdotally what I've been hearing around the traps that that is that is what's happening. However, it has to be a safe workplace. So What is a safe workplace is going to depend on each individual circumstances. So, for example, you know, there's uh, at the moment there's government directives on social distancing. So what's important is that, you know, if people are working from offices, that they're still complying with those directives.
1: Okay, so as long as your office has enough space, but if you work in a small office with too many people, you are going to need to be able to set them up from home.
0: Yeah, look, it's probably not as easy as that, unfortunately. Um, It's probably not as clear as that. But I think, you know, there's definitely uh, what is clear is that there is this obligation to provide a safe workplace. It's going to depend on each individual circumstance. But you're right, a good example might be that, yeah, even offices particularly small, people can't comply with those government directives in that office, then An employer is going to have to consider alternative arrangements, and that might include working from home. It could also include things like staggered working hours, potentially. Um, So, you know, you've got one employee in the morning and one
1: in the afternoon or something like that. Sure. You mentioned supervision and communication, and those are key at the best of times. Um, But what kind of employment law issues are likely to arise uh, in relation to supervision remotely? So...
0: I think this is a really important issue and something employers need to work through if they haven't already. It goes without saying that employees need to continue to be supervised, even if they are working remotely. But it's going to be quite the challenge for people who aren't used to remote working arrangements and particularly, um, say, for those people who um, are used to working in a primarily paper-based practice where, you know, they might review and settle documents in hard copy and then, you know, potentially have junior staff updating those documents. For those people, the challenge is developing a work practice that's effective and which ensures that work is, you know, being prepared and reviewed in a timely and efficient manner. And I think the best way to um, develop that work practice is to work together with your team to come up with a solution that works for, you know, the team as a whole and ensures that the work being completed by employees is being properly reviewed. Now, another issue that might arise is that an employee... It might be perceived to be slacking off when remote working or, or not getting through their work like they usually would if they're in the office. Um, and I think the key to dealing with those kinds of issues is uh, communication. Um, as I said, that's you know absolutely critical at the moment. So having an open conversation with an employee if you've got those concerns as soon as you notice them uh, coming up. I actually had a client probably a couple of weeks ago now contact me about um wanting to develop a bit of a strategy to deal with this very issue. Um, and the advice I gave in that situation was pretty much what I've just outlined is have an open conversation with the employee and you know effectively call the behaviour out and ask for an explanation um, in an informal way. Now the employer did this, and the employee's response was that they were actually really struggling. they were, with the workload that they had. They were working from home. They were trying to homeschool kids and they were actually feeling really overwhelmed with the whole situation. So the employee and the employer were able to come to an arrangement about how to deal with that moving forward. And in that particular case, those um, sort of alternative work hours were agreed and the employee was also able to access a little bit of leave to assist them to reconcile both their professional and personal obligations. But I think the, the sort of lesson to learn from this scenario, and it's probably a scenario that a lot of employers are going to face at the moment, um, is that just having an open conversation with employees usually goes a long way to resolving issues um, and also to sort of nutting out, you know, how, how work's going to be supervised and, and
1: how everyone's going to try and make this work. Yeah, for sure. And, and I can imagine that, that people need to be flexible and adaptable at the moment, given everybody's changed circumstances, including that whole family responsibility that is no longer just the evenings.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, there's there's absolutely no doubt. And I think um, as well as being flexible and adaptable, I think, you know, a little bit of compassion and empathy from employers is so
1: important right
0: now and will certainly go a long way.
1: So I can see that that open conversation can be possible where you've got An employer and an employee that get on well, uh, that are working well together normally, that then have to adjust to this new normal. Mm. Um, But what about a situation where um, the employer was having trouble with this employee before COVID-19, and now has to deal with a difficult employee in these difficult circumstances?
0: Yeah, look, There's no doubt that where relationships were difficult before COVID-19, they are likely to continue to be difficult, and if not, become more difficult um, or strained during this period, particularly as stress levels increase for everyone. Um, And and I suppose, uh, you know, one of those issues is going to be performance and and how do you manage performance. So if you've got an employee with performance issues, there's absolutely no reason why you shouldn't continue to manage those issues during the current period. you know, there, there's there's nothing to say that you've got to put that on hold right now. Of course, the how might look a little bit different to usual and employers are going to need to work out how to manage performance issues during this period based on the arrangements that they've got in place. So if, if you're an employer who has a formal performance improvement plan with an employee, um, it might be that the plan needs to be updated to reflect the current circumstances. So, for example, you could have... Um, Uh, say an employee who is part of a performance improvement plan is required to improve their advocacy skills for example and there's a performance improvement plan that prescribes that the employee you know has to attend a certain number of court appearances um, in a specified period to improve that part of their performance now Obviously, that wouldn't be able to go ahead. That's right. So if we've got courts that are closed or, um, you know, there's no in-person appearances at the moment or whatever the case might be, um, you know, that part of that plan, that hypothetical plan couldn't be completed. So in those cases, employers are going to have to be adaptable and flexible and, um, uh, you know, there it might be that the period of the performance improvement plan needs to be extended or, you know, some consultation happens with the employee and a decision is made to assess that particular uh, performance improvement in a different way. Right. So uh, I think that, you know, you just... Don't put things on hold, but certainly have a look at them and, and make sure they're still going to work based on the current arrangements. Yeah, okay. There's also, yeah, of course going to be cases where an employee's performance might not be up to scratch, but, you know, there's no sort of formal performance improvement plan at the moment. Now, in those cases, there's, of course, no nothing stopping an employer from implementing that, that formal process, but, again, just tailor it to the current circumstances.
1: Are there risks involved with... Um commencing a a performance management arrangement in these current strange times?
0: I wouldn't say that the risk is any higher um, at the moment but you've got to make sure you're taking into account um, these strange times so where I think there would be a risk potentially is if you know like the example I gave earlier where you know the employee's performance is not up to scratch but there was clear reasons for that because of the current situation. So I think that's why I would always suggest before you commence a formal process, have an informal discussion first. Try and talk through some of those issues and decide whether it's really, um, uh, I suppose, necessary or not. Because if the employee's performance is just not up to scratch at the moment because they're, you know, basically trying to do, um, you know, 10 different jobs um, all at once, then, then it probably isn't appropriate to commence formal performance management.
1: Sure. So there are, I think, a number of law firms that have found that their workload has increased or that the work that they had before is now takes twice as long to do because everything's very different. What advice do you have for employers about dealing with employee stress where workloads are very high? Yeah,
0: I think, again, here, um, there's a bit of a, a trend emerging in our discussion. Uh, communication is key. So um, when you're managing an employee's workload when they're working remotely, um it's it's different. Um, Pre-COVID, when mostly everyone was working from the office, it's relatively easy to tell when people had a heavy workload because, you know, they'd likely be the first one in the office or the last one to leave or have their door shut or, you know, be tapping away on their keyboard with their headphones in all day. Um But we're not able to see people necessarily anymore, so we don't have that visibility. So I think it's important that employees don't feel like they're out of sight, out of mind. So as an employer, it's critical to continue to check in on your employees and monitor their workload, just as you would do if it's business as, as usual. But again, similar to the performance management process, the how might look a little bit different here, given the current world we live in and that working arrangements are mostly remote. So you're going to have to work out the best way to check in on your employees based on your specific circumstances um, and keep up to date with what they've got going on. So I, I suppose just practically a couple of options there might look like um, you know, capacity sheets that employees use to set out what they're working on each day or week, um, having regular scheduled meetings. I know that probably goes without saying and I would hope that everyone's doing that, where employers are checking in on employees and, and the work that they're doing. The other thing is, um, as lawyers someone will curse me for saying this, we're lucky generally because most people fill out timesheets and yeah. it's actually a really easy way for supervisors to see what work um, uh, you know their employees have, have got on and what they're doing and it should give um, a supervisor a pretty good sense if an employee has too much on. So I or suppose if they're
1: slacking off. Like it
0: Yeah, absolutely. It goes both ways. So there's no right or wrong in terms of the systems that you put in place. You have to work out something that works for you and your employees. But the critical point I think is that you should have something in place. And and the risk there is if you don't um have a system in place and a way of managing, you know, excessive workloads, then an employee is likely to feel unsupported and will have increased stress levels and Potentially, um, you may even receive a workers' compensation claim you know, uh, from the employee alleging an illness or injury as a result of that excessive stress. So you, of course, want to do all you can to avoid that. So I just really encourage everyone to work out a, a proper system that they can put in place that works for them and their
1: employees. What about law firms who are struggling a little bit with client work, what options do they have regarding employees where there is a downturn in work?
0: That's right. There are definitely some firms who have seen an increase in work and certainly others that are seeing a downturn um, during this period. I think the good news is is that there are lots of options that are available to employers to see them through this difficult time. Um, I'll take you through some of those options, but I think the first point um, before we get to that is is that when an employer is deciding, well, I suppose which option is right for them, it's important to remember that this period won't last forever. So something to bear in mind is that um, any steps that are implemented now, you don't want them to adversely impact your ability to come out of this strongly. So for example, making all of your employees redundant to reduce staffing costs might be a little bit short-sighted because we hope and inevitably things will pick back up again once the crisis is over and then you won't have anyone to perform the work that you need potentially. So I think just bear that in mind as, as we sort of uh, track through some of these options. Um, When considering options to address a downturn, I think a good starting point is with the government's JobKeeper arrangements, which are now in place and which are going to remain in place at least until September this year. So there has been a lot of information put out there about these, um, but basically JobKeeper is available if an employer and an employee are eligible, and there are specific rules that set out the eligibility requirements. But I suppose just to take you through the main ones, um, the employer has to have seen the requisite decline in turnover, which for most law firms is likely to be 30%. Um, Then an employee must be over 16. They have to have been employed at the relevant time, which is the 20th of March. They have to be a full-time or a part-time employee. So casual employees aren't included unless they're a long-term casual employee, which is probably another podcast in itself, Um, uh, uh, they must be an Australian resident and not currently accessing government paid parental leave, dad or partner pay, or be totally incapacitated in receiving workers' compensation payments. Um, and then finally, there, there's a bunch of other requirements around filling out forms and providing the various notifications to the ATO. So assuming um, all those boxes are ticked and the employer and the employee are eligible, then what that um, gives an entitlement to is the employer's able to access wage subsidies of $1,500 per, fi- per fortnight per employee, which um, is is supposed to assist employers um, with keeping those employees in a job. They're also able to access a raft of changes to the Fair Work Act, which includes things like the right to issue various directions to employees to reduce their days of work or working hours right down to nil, which in that case um, uh, the employee would still receive the $1,500 a fortnight JobKeeper payment. There's also rights for employers to vary... An employee's duties or work location. And then employers can also reach agreements with employees to vary their days of work or um, for the employee to take annual leave. So JobKeeper is what I'd be looking at initially if you see a downturn, but for some firms, they're not going to see that 30% downturn required in order to access that. So that that doesn't mean that there isn't options available for them. There there certainly are other options.
1: And is that thirty percent downturn in in their um um gross fees for say a quarter or a or six months or a year or a week?
0: No, it's
1: what, what kind of period it's, is
0: it? I believe it's a a, a three month period, um, and it's based on. GST turnover in some cases but there's a bunch of rules that the tax lawyers are going to be better at um, explaining than I am Got it. but there is um, some strict rules around what that reduction in turnover looks like yeah. and it, it's as far as I understand it's a comparison between um, the same period from the previous year but there are a number of different ways that that can be calculated. Um. So putting JobKeeper to one side, other options beyond that, even if you don't have that requisite um, downturn, you can ask employees to take some of their annual or long service leave. And in certain cases, an employer might even be able to direct the employee to do that. Um, You could reach an agreement with an employee to reduce their hours of work for a certain period if you have to, you can stand um, employees down until the, the, the crisis passes. Um, there's also the option of making employees' roles redundant and terminating their employment. But I really think that should be a last resort um, when you've explored all the other options. But I appreciate that, that that is an option that some employers are going to have to, to contemplate in order to deal with this Yeah, difficult and unprecedented times. No, I hope not. (laughs) I hope not. So, but yeah, plenty of options available, and um, absolutely should be able to assist employers get through this difficult period. So,
1: we've mentioned the words "difficult period" quite a number of times in this um, Mm. podcast. Mm. And law firms are high stress environments at the best of times, but during a crisis when everyone is worrying about job security or their health or negotiating new technology the way we have to record this, um, those stresses can be really exacerbated. What advice do you have for law practices about helping employees to cope with stress?
0: Yeah, I I think um, many employees are now working from home. There's no doubt they're under um, increased stress due to the pandemic itself and also because of all the other associated issues um, that it's brought including you know the impacts of isolation as people are removed from their normal support networks um, and their sort of usual coping strategies i suppose um, and even though this is an unprecedented situation, WHS and employment law obligations still apply. So yeah. um, I mentioned before that from a WHS perspective, employers are required to take all reasonably practicable steps to provide a safe workplace for workers. That also includes eliminating or minimising risk to psychological health. Um, oh. Now, lots of organisations have put out resources about managing mental health and wellbeing uh, during the crisis, um, and my WHS uh, colleagues tell me that, you know, that their organisations such as who, Beyond Blue, Lifeline, Heads Up, and even Safe Work Australia. Um, Spark Elmore's also put out a one pager about some practical things that we suggest employers might consider in relation to an employer's mental health and well-being. Um, and a couple of those things are um, putting in place some risk controls. So employers should take a strong approach. To risk mitigation, as this will hopefully have the um, effect of reassuring employees. Um, so things like signs around the office about expected hygiene practices, what the social distancing requirements are, provide hand sanitizer to employees who are working in the office. Another um, uh, thing that co- employers could do is show leadership. So provide regular, calm, clear and consistent updates to employees about the situation, as well as the organisation or the firm's response to the situation. Also encourage people to rely on, on trusted sources of information about COVID-19. There's just so much content out there about this Crisis, and it can be really overwhelming for people. I know myself; I've certainly, from time to time, you turn on the news, and you know, you, you get quite overwhelmed. So, encourage people to avoid, I suppose, looking to something like the Daily Mail to get their yeah. COVID nineteen updates, and perhaps suggest that they look to who or the relevant government uh, health departments um, for, you know, the information that they need. And in saying that. You might also want to suggest that employees limit any viewing time um, because, as I said, you know, the more you sort of look at it and the more it's in your face, sometimes the more overwhelming it can become. Um, Another, I suppose, practical tip is staying in touch with employees, particularly if they are, you know, working from home, in quarantine, if they're unwell. um, You can do things like implement a buddy system um, and provide education about coping mechanisms Um, If you've got sort of an internal um, website that employees can access, you could put some of that information there. And I think finally provide support to employees where possible. So encourage them to access um, EAP if they're struggling. Have your regular team meetings. Have your one-on-one check-ins. I know that a couple of people are having virtual coffees or drinks and things like that. So implement those um, support mechanisms where where possible, um, now one one final thing is putting to one side an employer's legal obligations. I think employers have a really important role to play in this crisis. For many people, the only normal that they still have is their employment, and even though work arrangements have changed, employment for those lucky enough um, still to be in it is really a constant throughout this. And I think because of that. Employers are in a really unique situation where they can assist uh, their employees to get through this. And not because they have a legal obligation to do that, but you know, because we're sort of all in this together and, and really it's just the right thing to do. So my human, my human advice, um, not necessarily my legal advice, is that employers really should do all they can to support their employees and show compassion and empathy and be flexible and adaptable
1: at this time as best they can. That is really good advice. Thank you so much for all your help today, Felicity. Not a problem. Thanks for having me. <laughs> no, it's been fantastic. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks, Alyssa. Thanks for listening to Risk On Air by LawCover. Join us for the next episode and subscribe to stay up to date. Remember,
1: LawCover offers support to law firms for employment practices liability through its new Lawyer's Management Liability Policy. For details, visit lawcover.com.au.